Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences. So there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews. So you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hello, everybody. My name is Jed Mashu. I'm a writer for MMAfighting.com. It's a great website. And this is the Damn They Were Good podcast. Now, it's been quite some time since you last heard our dulcet tones. But with 2023 kicking off, we had to, we had to bring it back. Especially because this week, something, something grand, something magical is happening. This Saturday, UFC 283 goes down in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. The UFC is back in Brazil after a three-year hiatus, but we're not here to talk about that event in general. We're here to talk about one man who will be at that event, a legend of the sport who will be making his walk for the final time, Mauricio Shogun Hua. This fight week, last Shogun fight week, and so there were, we had to. We had to take a walk down memory lane about the highs and lows of one of my favorite all-time fighters, and so joining me to take that trip Two of my favorite colleagues at MMAfighting.com, great website. The best damn writer in MMA, Shaheen Alshadi. And the Brazilian beast, the new king of Rio, Guilherme Cruz. Fellas, how we doing? I'm feeling great, ready for another fight week in a long, long time. We missed this crazy, crazy uh, line of work of ours. Uh, and especially such a big week to title fights and the... Last, last night of Shogun as a, an MMA fighter is going to be, after watching him fight a few times, uh, watching him uh, fight for the, for the last time, is going to be a, a, a special one. It, it for sure is. Uh, I'm hoping that it's going to be a happy special and not a sad I hope special. So. Yes. Because as, we'll, as we'll get into <laughs> it, yes. Yes. Uh, this hasn't, Shogun's career hasn't been... Um, the heights and glory it was that made us all love him. But we get one more, and at the minimum, him coming out in Rio, I think that is going to be a freaking It's going to be emotional. It's, it's emotional, man. I mean, like, we, we, how long have we been riding with this man, right? Like, it, this has been someone who has been, in at least my life, 
pretty much the entirety of of my knowledge of MMA. Like my entire MMA fandom has more or less started and and begun with with Shogun Hua and everything that was going on in Pride around that time, 2004, 2005. Little old Sean Elshadi in high school, just figuring out that like seeing these streams from these Japanese shows and sort of figuring out all of this and being like, dude, what am I watching? Like this man has has been it. 40 years old seemingly for a decade like it's crazy that he is (laughs) frankly still going but it will i feel like it's going to be a very emotional scene when we see this on saturday because like for this is someone who has simultaneously felt like he should have left a long time ago a long time ago but yet he the fact that he has remained and more or less kind of like done well like it's 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 a it's a very weird juxtaposition of like i don't think you stayed too long but you kind of stayed too long but you didn't type yeah. of thing so like you kind of, you've earned this moment like if nothing else you've earned this moment to come out and and again king of the new king of real last king of real whatever we want to call him like it's gonna be unbelievable yeah man it's uh you nailed it in that he he did it but didn't stay too long it's super weird i have a ton of notes as we get into this his career is so fascinating in retrospect because who originally pitched this was like all right it's going to be his last one. Seems like a good time to do a damn, uh, you know, coincide, celebrate. And then I spent all morning rewatching Shogun fights and I did not intend to, I intended to, you know, hit some of the highlights and I was talking with you in pre-production Gene. I was like, yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I turned on the Oh five run. It's like, Oh, got to check this out again. And then suddenly five hours later, I'm just knee deep in all things Shogun. And it has been such a fascinating journey because he he did it like he's still winning fights over guys who are relatively there but at the same time you your eyes don't lie when you're watching him fight now it's like he this is not the same man and so it's it it is a very very strange spot so i want to start here since since you did touch on it and i want to start with gee gee what what was your first exposure to Shogun? Like how how did Shogun come in your life? Uh, I honestly don't remember like having the, the, the my first my my first Shogun experience because I wasn't a uh, an MMA fan before I I started working with, uh, for Tatami Magazine in Brazil, and mm-hmm. when I started it was just like three months after he lost to to Forrest Griffin, and. Uh, it was like a shock at the time, but I, I didn't get that uh, uh, real uh, impression because I, I knew I didn't know that Shogun was that good, yeah. so I, I didn't watch the fights live and all that stuff. And then it took me a, a, a full year to watch him fight, and then he was he was fighting Mark Coleman. Like it was. <laughs> We're like, gonna talk about the Coleman fight. It wasn't a good fight. It was just such. I mean, by that time, I I. Was I already studied MMA? Like go back and watch his fights. It was so depressing watching watching him fight Coleman like that, and then fighting uh, Chuck Liddell, and then the the Lioto fight. So it wasn't it wasn't good. It wasn't a, a, a good way to introduce myself to live Shogun fights. But with time, I, I mean, had plenty of, of, of opportunities to to see like glimpse of the great fighter that that once became champion in pride and then went on to become champion in the UFC as well. But that's, that, that's, what's a fascinating part of his story to me is, is 
you are incredibly not alone in being a, a guy who came to Shogun after the forest fight. I mean, most, particularly fans nowadays, you know, like there are, there are fans who didn't come until Connor. And so fans who didn't join till Connor have no concept, at least, you know, if you had gotten into the UFC around the time you did, you know, uh, Oh, what is that? 10, 2010, 2011, something like that. You can still, there was still the high point of Shogun to come, you know, of, all right, he is going to win the title over Lyoto. He's going to have some of those performances. But even at that time, we're talking 10 years ago, he was still uh, up and down. You you could have you could be a deeply invested fan, a fan for over a decade, and be like, I never saw Prime Shogun. And this man is only 41 years old. It is not, I didn't see Prime Hoist Gracie or whatever. It is a guy who is still competing today, and that's why he is so fascinating to me in, in this regard. Now, I didn't really think about it until, until I went back and, and was hit by some of this. So, Shaheen, what, what about you? I know we were talking off air. One of your favorite fighters, one of the guys who sort of got you into fandom what what was it? Do you remember the first Shogun fight you saw? I don't remember specifically what the first one was, but it was that 2005 run. Like at some point during that run, that was when I jumped on. And what we were, Jed, we were talking about it off air before we started. Of you're a hundred percent right in in a lot of what you're saying there because you watch his UFC career, even early in the UFC, right? Like even title winning Shogun. It is such a vastly different fighter than the, the fighter who was in Pride. I had not watched, I had not dove back into the Pride vault in a pretty long time for Shogun. And like you, I sort of got caught down a rabbit hole. I was like, oh, I'm going to just watch a few of these 2005 fights. And then I ended up just watching like a ton of them because it's just like this. It, it's such a, a, like it's night and day. It's just a completely different person. Like the UFC stripped away a lot of his best weapons and his best weapons are some of the most creative, extreme violence that you can imagine. Awesome. Like, right? Just fucking awesome. Stomps and soccer kicks to the max from this guy. Stomps, soccer kicks, tie clinch. Like those three things you were just not escaping from in, Sh in, in Shogun and Pride. And the the creativity that with which he would wield all of this. And frankly, the not give a shitness that he would wield all of it with. Of just kind of throwing stuff out there. Throwing tornado kicks. Throwing 360 stuff. Like none of, none of it for any reason. Most of it didn't land. But he's just kind of out there doing stuff. Just like this young kid from Shootbox doing stuff and it's somehow working and at every possible moment he gets you in any position where you're grounded or you're just like kind of in a vulnerable spot bro you're getting a soccer kick to the face or you're getting a flying stomp to the face and it's just like coming fast and in rapid succession and and you you forget because it was so long ago just what like young early 20s shogun really looks like and why there was so much absurd hype around him when the UFC bought pride, right? Because I, I remember it so vividly when that happened of, oh man, we're going to get Crow Cop. We're going to get Fedor, which obviously we didn't get Fedor, but like we're going to get Crow Cop. We're going to get Fedor. We're going to get Vandalay. We're going to get all these guys. But in, in, in the real hardcores conversation, it was all about Shogun. Like yeah. here's this guy coming off this incredible, incredible run who like you guys will, you do not understand the violence that's about to come to the North America from this guy. And he's still so young. He was only 25 when he went to the UFC. Like that's crazy to me. I know we'll revisit stats later on in the show, but just that stat alone is, is nuts. 
frankly bananas because you could have given me a bunch of different choices and i would have never guessed 25 years old i would have said like oh he's probably like 28 29 nah 25 years old like the what this man accomplished pre-25 is legendary he was already a legend by the time he came to the ufc at age 25 and the fact that he was able to add to that and really has continued to add to that uh with with pretty crazy consistency over the over the last decade or so absolute legend and also sorry you're probably hearing my son in the background he uh it's my baby whatever he wants i i He's, He's very excited fan. about the legend of Shogun. It's it's <laughs> totally okay. Uh, yeah, we're gonna get into the stomps and soccer kicks thing because that's that's a a really pivotal part of of the story. But just on the twenty five thing, like right now, if we I don't have to make this hypothetical. I could drudge up a specific example, but I don't have one offhand. But if right now. We had a 25-year-old come over from KSW or whatever. If Roberto Soldich, who is not 25, came signed with the UFC instead of with one, everybody would be losing their mind about what this 28-year-old hyper-violent dude is about to do in the UFC. And then to look at the career Shogun had after, which is not bad by any stretch, but is not at all what anybody envisioned at the time. It's... He's dude, he's such a fascinating guy. And I didn't realize it until I dove into this. It didn't strike me how much of his late career, late career isn't even the right term because it's been a decade. It's not even, it's just like middle Shogun career. It's so weird. Uh, Before we hop into the categories, I do have one last question. This one is specifically for Guy though. And it's, you know, had you on the show before, talk about some, some fantastic fighters. Tell me, where Mauricio Shogun, who rates in the Brazilian pantheon, because I genuinely have no idea in this conversation. It it has certainly from the outside perspective, and part of, I think, the weird facet of his legacy is I identify him so much as a pride fighter, and even though he was probably better than Vanderlei, Vanderlei is still they're the same camp, and Vanderlei is the pride fighter. So he is still somewhat in Vanderlei's shadow in that regard. And I don't know if that filters over into just the Brazilian kind of entity as a whole or or what. So how how does Shogun rank in in the Brazilian MMA pantheon? Gee? Shogun is a legend, no doubt about it. But he's not like at the the top of the top. Like he's still behind like the likes of Jose Aldo, Anderson Silva, Big Nog, Vitor Belfort, uh, because because like a few things like uh, first. He's, he, he, he doesn't like doing much media. Like he doesn't, he's not a fan of interviews and stuff like that. He lives in Curitiba. Uh, like it's not close from uh, Rio and Sao Paulo. Fighters from this area, they they tend to, to, to get more media attention because it's the center of the country in terms of media and stuff like that. Uh, so, but I mean, it's for... for I am an MMA fan. He's no no doubt about this. He's a legend, but for casuals like not, not many people know Shogun. He, he fought a few times in Rio uh, for the UFC. He's unbeating uh, uh, fighting in Rio. He fought in Ubelândia, such a wild place. Like I know you all love this name, Ubelândia. It's a fantastic city. It's a <laughs> yeah, it's that not a, a terrible city, fight. We're going to talk yeah. about that fight. I hate that fight. Yes, I mean that that skateboard. That skateboard was a real son yes. of a bitch. 
yeah out of control with the skateboards can't <laughs> let the people bring that I mean, in there man. <laughs> but yeah it's uh he's a legend no doubt about it but he's not like the top five all time in terms of uh recognition from people outside of our hardcore bubble uh, and you know that i think that makes sense certainly from my perspective on it because that's that's how it feels and that's so weird when i think of kind of just what he is as a fighter historically so uh but we'll we'll now we can hop into the rest of it because there are many things to talk about with shogun uh and this is one of those where i thought i was gonna have an easy time with certainly some of these categories and it ended up being way way harder as i got into it but before we hop into our categories for those who maybe came to mma a decade ago and don't know all the best things about shogun a very brief recap for you he began his career in 2002, Mecca World Valley Tudo, and when he started, he was primarily known as Ninja's younger brother, which is super weird when you think about how those careers went. Um, I bet most people who are like deep MMA fans don't even know who Ninja who is anymore. Uh, and then he pretty quickly was his own dude. He can I can I jump in just very quickly? In. Sorry to interrupt you. Uh, I have to just submit to the panel Ninja and Shogun. Sick all names. time, all time great nickname for tandem for brothers, right? Like Shogun's yeah. legendary. And, I can't even tell you the Shaolin amount of- is is their other brother. He just didn't fight. Shaolin is also sick. Dude, I can't tell you how many I'm sure if I went back to whatever I was doing back then, whatever video games I was playing back in 2004 or five, there are probably a lot Dude. of characters that I named Shogun just because of this guy like ninja and shogun all time legendary nicknames just have to throw that out there incredible it's a great point that really is when you know your nickname's good when it's just your name when you're when it not becomes your name yeah. you're just shogun he's just, he's, he's just shogun in brazil yeah shogun. You're shogun. you don't even that, say about issue you're just shogun yeah, it's, it's really, it's really uh, great work going yeah, on at Shootbox by... out there between the axe murderer and all of it. Like, it's just great stuff going on over there with the nickname. Yeah. In Brazil, it's not the axe murderer. Like, Brazil. We, we don't call him that. In Brazil, it's cachorro louco. Like, mad dog, crazy dog. I was going to say, isn't that crazy something? Okay, mad yeah, dog. Yeah, crazy dog. Yeah, mad dog, crazy dog. I maintain that the axe murderer is maybe the greatest nickname in the yeah. history of the sport. You can use that. Um, you can use so that. So, I'm okay with it. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, he joins Pride a couple years after his debut, and it's off to the races. He wins the 2005 Pride Middleweight Grand Prix. We're going to talk a lot about that coming up. Uh, and then Pride gets acquired. He goes to the UFC in 07, and then that's where he has somewhat surprisingly spent most of his career. Um, all told, he won, won a ton of fights in the UFC. He went 12-1 in Pride, four Performance of the Night awards in the UFC, four Fight of the Nights, including the 2011 fight of the year with Dan Henderson. That fight was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2018. So this is, I think, our third UFC Hall of Famer on Dam. Uh, and Shogun will himself just be inducted into the Hall of Fame in the near future, you can only assume, given what he has meant to this sport. This Saturday will be his 42nd career fight, 24 of them in the UFC. So depending on how that goes... You know, we'll see what his overall record is, but 42 fights is a good, healthy, good, healthy career. And now it comes to an end. And when it comes to an, as it comes to an end, our awards come to a beginning and we start as always the Mount Rushmore. You got four fights. 
Now, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I thought this would be easy. I, when I was doing this in my head initially, I was like, screw it. I'm just going to go with the entire 2005 run because it's a legendary run. You know, one of the two or three best years any fighter has ever had in the history of the sport. He's the fighter of the year, hands down. And all of those fights are important. All of those fights are great and matter. And I want to do it. And then as I dove into this, as I got more involved, I was like, I can't, I just can't pick all four of these. There's too much other shit. I have, I think, eight fights in front of me. I think we're going to have some overlap. I'm going to give you my four, and then we can talk about y'all's, and we can throw out other honorable mentions. My four, though, I am starting the Quentin Jackson Pride Total Elimination 2005. It was the beginning of the legendary 05 run, and it was his coming out party. I mean, he had several wins in Pride beforehand. That was the first fight that I stood up and was like, oh, this dude's for real, because I became a fan 03-04 right around then, and... I got into the forums pretty quickly, you know, doing the underground sure dog thing and knew what pride was, but wasn't like super deep. And then the, the rampage just thrashing. That was, that was all anyone was talking about on sure dog. <laughs> that was, that was the truth. So that was his coming out party. That's mine. Uh, I also, that's, that's my start. I will also say my other point on this fight Holy shit. We talk about MMA corners not throwing in the towel today. Rampage Jackson got murdered in that My fight. Man. Like, as I was rewatching, I was like, dude, they could stop this at any point. And then there were three more minutes of Shogun kneeing and stomping and kicking his face off. That fight is insane. It is almost obscene to watch right now. Like, it's so explosive, it's so violent, and the way it ends, right, of knocking him out through, like, Shogun knocking Rampage out through the ropes, <laughs> it's just, it's soccer kicks to the face, like, all of it, like, man, you feel bad at one point, for Rampage. At you, one you, point, Rampage, like, is clearly covering his body and yells something to his corner, and Boss is like, his ribs are broken, They and it, it just keeps going, and Shogun just kept hitting him. So and you have ruthless. to think, you have to think at this point, Rampage in the two years prior to this has lost to Vandalay Silva twice, basically by the same exact way, by the, by the knees, the tiny knees. And, and then and should have lost the ninja. And Shogun yeah. comes out and does the exact same strategy, but in a it's somehow in like a more brutal way, because he's just so again, opportunistic with these soccer, soccer kicks and stomps. Like, like the moment you say soccer kick or stomps in pride, Shogun is the person that flashes to my mind because I feel like yep. he utilized them to the best of anybody. And they were just the, main weapon in his tool set and the i i would love to i've never actually counted it i'm sure there are stats up there for this fight i would just love to know how many tinies that shogun oh. landed on rampage during this however many many fight because it is just brutal to watch you are watching the, the soul get slowly sucked out of this man it's it's that's on my top four as well it has yeah. to be. it's that's in your four as well uh, I will also note that there's Quentin Rampage Jackson after the fight, and I don't remember how how late, was like, yeah, that's the best dude I've ever fought. And it makes sense, because when you look at him fight, it's like, yeah, that dude is the best dude you ever fought. That guy is something for real. Uh, Guy, did this make your four? No. It didn't. Okay, that great. Is, and we can, that is impressive, but it didn't make my four. Then we can move on. The second one, I feel like this is going to be in everybody's four. Uh, it's the Antonio Rogerio Noguera Pride Critical Countdown 2005 fight. 
It's the fight of the year for 2005. And I mean, you've heard they, they ended up having a trilogy well after the fact. They fought about a couple more times in the UFC. Also, depressingly good fights, considering yes. most of them were at their time. But, I mean, so this is one that I feel like more more recent fans will know just because of those other fights. And part of the build for those other fights was talking about how singularly awesome the first one was. But that fight still holds up, man. I watched it this morning. It's insane. Like there is the shifts in momentum just back and forth constantly. Noguera boxing the dude's ears off, but can't kind of keep with just the youthful exuberance of Shogun. The grappling exchanges are awesome. Everything about that fight was so damn good. And it was honestly better than I remembered it. When I went back and rewatched, I was like, this can't be as good as I remember. Because in general, like when you watch older fights, you're like, oh, this just isn't as good. It's like, no, this is still A plus level MMA. And it's awesome. So the first Nog fight at Critical Countdown 05, I'm assuming that that is in both of your lists. It is. So I think this is almost an oversight for me because it's not. And it was just, it it's, it's purely. Wow. I, it's, I think that's an oversight. It's a bad call because you're right. There was just too many. And at a certain point, it was how many pride fights am I trying to fit in here? Because I also have. <laughs> Well, because I also have uh, the Ricardo Arona fight. I'm not trying to step over what uh, okay. other people might yes. have. I have, but to one. me, that him Ooh. winning the GP, I, it's like I can't. I, I need to put the GP win in there. The Rampage was when I first became aware of him. I believe, or that was my first mm -hmm. big memory with him. I can't have three Pride fights there when this guy yeah. only fought in Pride for like five years or four years. So I think it's an oversight. I mean, you could. <laughs> But no, that's fair. So we'll, we, I'll, I'll kick it to y'all to talk about the Arona one in a second. I will say I intentionally left Arona off of this one because I'm going to talk about him uh, later on in the show. But it, I mean, let's just use that as the segue for for you, either of you, as you both have the Arona. Gee, tell me why the Arona one makes it because that fight is, it's probably his best overall performance in like his career. Like that fight was amazing. Yeah, I I have the fight because like you 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 can't just throw the whole tournament uh, in the, on this list, and that's just like the icing on the cake. He's just destroying his the the biggest rival of his teammate Vanilla Silva, and he just ran through him. Uh, it's a, it's it's sad that he, we we didn't get like uh, both in, in, at their peak performance because Arona had a uh, I mean. A much harder semifinal, uh, much it, which harder. is yeah. But it, it it is funny to say that because uh, if you go back, Arona's semifinal was against Alessa Overeem. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. It, it's not like a he. It's not like some yeah. of those pride semis where it's like, okay, well, you you get the Takata fight or whatever. It's like, yeah, no, no, you're fighting Alistair freaking Overeem. <laughs> sure. Yeah, and just destroying him, and then he took Arona and almost murder him so and that that means a lot here in brazil because arona is a arona is a big name in brazil like people to this day still love him some people still think he's coming back to fight and uh uh but yeah that's i mean that's that that has to be on his top five top four list okay uh sheen do you have anything to add to Guy's assessment of the of why arona is in his final his, his mount rushmore 
No, I mean, to me, I agree. I think Arona was one of the best all around overall performances by Shogun. Also, again, just that that whole year, right? Like that whole 2005 still holds up as one of the greatest all time years for any fighter ever. Like it was just utterly ridiculous in the moment and it's even better in retrospect. Um, but I will say just to, to give more credit to what you were saying with the little Nog pick, I think that's a good pick because two things, one, right. Um, to me, Shogun's iconic photo or iconic moment comes from that fight, the flying punch that he lands yep. in that fight. That is in a, that is an incredible image, just in MMA history. And I think that's been like that was at various times in my life, like my background on my computer or whatever, just that flying punch he lands on Little Nog. Also, too, like I think Little Nog is one of those guys that kind of got screwed over by MMA's lack of a history, like history keepers, like record keepers. Because like I think if you asked 90% of fans today, like what's your opinion of Little Nog? half of them would have no actual clue who you're talking about. And the other half would just think that you're talking about the old guy that had some pretty terrible fights in the UFC and like fought like once every couple of years in the UFC. Like they wouldn't have any real recognition or understanding of how obscenely good little Nog was and the absolute bangers that he put on for so long. Um, That's the so, yeah. problem when you have when your brothers is fantastic and wins and wins titles everywhere. Yeah. Like little, little Nog of all time. We will always be in the shadow of his brother because Big Nog won the UFC belt, the Pride belt, and he got nothing. Like he had, he has fantastic wins, legend. But he's never gonna live up to what his brother was able to do. At the same time, so it's crazy. Honestly, uh, this was one of the things that struck me, and maybe this is me getting way too uh, writery. But it was like. Little Nog and Shogun feel like two sides of of the same coin because, I mean, look, Shogun's older brother, he ends up far surpassing him, but I talked earlier, in some ways, Vanderlei Silva is like a, a surrogate brother, not maybe not personally, but in the view of fans, right? He, he was the shoot-the-box guy, and Vanderlei's shadow kind of hung over a lot of Shogun's career, but you look at you know, the stuff you were saying, Shaheen, there's a whole group of fans who don't know you're right. Then those same fans wouldn't know Shogun, but for the Leoto Mochito win, you know, like that, that probably saves him from existing in a very similar space to Little Nog. It's, it's just, they and had the a Hendo very, in the Hendo fights, I would say. You think, you think that that's a, that's enough to define, like to, to be different? I, I could buy that. I think it's, he would it, be memorable. Just if felt very, else. Yeah. It's true. Those two have just have a very, their careers felt very intertwined when I went back and rewatched it in a way that I didn't think it was the case kind of real time where it felt more after the fact. Uh, so yeah, I'm cool with the Arona one. Uh, like I said, I, I left it off for a very specific reason. My next one, I cheated um, because I feel that this is an appropriate cheat. I have taken both of the Leoto Machida fights at UFC 104 and UFC 113 uh, because the one you would pick would probably be 113. It's the one where he wins the UFC light heavyweight belt. You know, that's a, a, a pivotal moment in his career, one of the two big highs. But if you just talked about that without the context of 104, I don't think it, it it's not the same. Like it, 113 meant a lot, but it meant a lot in part because of what happened at 104. 
And frankly, I want to talk about them together because they're such different fights. It's incredibly fun to go rewatch them. Because 104, he he should have beaten Machida. No no bones about it. Went back and rewatched it. He absolutely he should have won that yeah. fight. Um, bad Incredible decision. robbery. Legitimate like, robbery. Uh, yes. A, absolutely a total legitimate robbery. You go back and rewatch it. It's like there's no way he didn't win at least three, if not four, and you could make a case for all five rounds. I do think he lost the second, but he very clearly won won three or four rounds there. But you go back and watch it, and that I remember at the time that being so weird because this was the Machida era. You know, Joe Rogan had anointed us. Welcome to the Machida era. And Shogun was washed. We had already thought Shogun was doomed. Like, was screwed. His his performances hadn't been that good. He got a title fight off a win over Chuck Liddell, which which aged like milk at this point. Had looked bad against Mark Coleman, lost to Forrest Griffin. Like, okay, this is this is the new dude. And he comes out and he fights so different than really we'd ever seen him fight before. It was so tactical and smart and like. In my head, I was like, this is kind of like Carlos Condit fighting Nate, uh, Nick Diaz, where it's like, this isn't what we expected at all, and it's really smart, and he is beating this man's ass, and then he doesn't get paid off for it. And the second fight, he just fights like himself, and he knocks him out in the first round. It's the funniest thing to go watch. It's like, you could have come and done the kick-heavy tactical gameplay, and you're like, nah, man, I'm just going to be me. And being him was all it needed. Came out and knocked him out in the first round. was awesome. So I cheated and put them both. Uh, I'm going to assume that winning the UFC belt managed to make uh, the <laughs> the Mount Rushmore for you, gentlemen. Yes, it it, it does. But I but I, I I agree with you. You 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 can't just look at the second fight and ignore like the first one. It's it's part of the <laughs> it's part of the my my phone start talking out of nowhere. Uh, you 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 have to look to that fight like taking consideration what the 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 first one was like you you can't just ignore that and uh what what he did to someone that was uh looked at as unbeatable like this tricky game that you can like solve this, this puzzle and he just went there like leg kicked him to death in the first one and then went to this to the second fight and just murdered him it was brutal and a beautiful to watch. It was awesome. Shaheen, where are you at on this one? It It's so funny looking back in retrospect because that you're right. That first fight was one of the great robberies of that era. And it felt like such an injustice in the moment, right? Because especially if you're, you're a fan of pride, you, you're watching Shogun struggle a little bit early in his UFC run. He has that big disappointment against Forrest Griffin in his first fight felt like it wasn't going to happen. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the Machida era, as we said, it, this was supposed to be some dynasty. Like old school Shogun kind of comes out a little bit, little bit not new school, like right, like he was a little bit more refined, mm -hmm. and puts on this incredible performance. And you just no one expected it at that moment, and it's just oh my god, he did it! Like he actually did it. He's going to get this UFC title, and he doesn't get it. And it, you look back in that moment, I think a lot of judges struggled with how to score Leoto Machida. Like people didn't understand really what they were watching with Leoto, and so they kind of just gave him the benefit of the doubt in a lot of these fights or or vice versa uh, like kicks then, don't win fights yeah mean? that's really like kicks <laughs> just don't win fights yeah but then that second one comes and it's just like the ultimate retro like revenge right it's the ultimate like 
thank you MMA gods for actually doing the right thing type of moment where Shogun can get this violent, violent finish. And you're right. It was very much old school Shogun coming in and being Shogun again to get this finish. Uh, That's definitely on my Mount Rushmore. I mean, you win the UFC title. That's going to go on the Mount Rushmore for me. Uh, I, I want to note just because, uh, Guy said it, it's, uh, you know, this guy, Leota was unbeatable. I distinctly remember this is long before I'm working. I'm a fan and I, I think, I think I was, uh, emailing with Jordan Breen of formerly feardog.com. And I was like, as I, I sent a fan, like a fan question or whatever to like answer on the, on a radio show. I was like, how do you beat Leoto Machida? Like, should you just bear crawl at him? Cause you can't outstrike this dude. Cause it wasn't that he was just unbeatable. It's like, if you're going to beat him, you just have to take him down. His karate is too, it's too good. And then Sharp was like, nah, Muay Thai, baby, let's go. It was fight is awesome. So that's my third rounding out my Mount Rushmore. Uh, I went chalk all the way down, frankly, Dan Henderson, UFC 139. Uh, you know, his fights with Hindo became legendary. This was the fight of the year for 2011 inducted in the UFC hall of fame. Uh, again, as with the Nog fight, I, when, I, when we rots to this morning, I was like, this can't hold up to what I think it was. And it, it just did. It was still sick. It was still so awesome. And frankly, it felt a lot like the Nog fight. Like the beats felt very similar of the just massive changes in momentum and, you know, maybe this is uh, reductive, but Shogun just wanting it more at the end. And I think Shogun gets robbed. Um, that fight is at minimum a draw. He ends up losing a decision, but like that felt a lot like the nog, the first Nog fight. And and it's just incredible that what's going on in that fight, the mixing of the martial arts, much to AK Lee's dismay. It was fantastic. So that rounds out my my Mount Rushmore. Uh is that on either of yours? Yeah, that's on my list as well. Be. Okay. Has to be. Has to be. I, I kind of thought that way. So we're going to have a very similar Mount Rushmore. Uh, Guy, let's go to you on this because Shaheen is dealing with his son right now. And <laughs> it's incredibly fun to watch. You guys yeah. can't see this, but oh it's the God. best. He is trying so hard to throw me off my game. And it's, it's kind of working. He, I, I'm not going to lie. He has thoughts that he wants to share about Shogun, and you're just yes. not letting him. He wants to be a member of MMA fighting. Honorary man. member. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Guy, Guy, talk to me about the, the Dan Henderson fight. That was, that was legendary. Like, uh, Shogun was, again, was... We all saw him, like... I was there when, when, when he fought John Jones, uh, it was my, my first uh, UFC live in New Jersey, and it was uh, sad to watch. Like yeah, five seconds, that's... five seconds in, and I knew he 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 he, he would lose that fight. Like five seconds, yeah. John Jones lands a flying knee. I mean, damn, <laughs> it's a matter of time before he just knocks him out. And then, like he fought in Rio, forced Griffin, like destroyed him. The revenge, like beautiful beautiful scenes to watch in Rio. And then, I mean, is he back? Like, he's that good, but John Jones is on another, another level. And he fights Dan Henderson. It's just an, an incredible war. Like you said, I think that he didn't lose a fight. He should have been a draw. At but, least, if not just yeah. a Shogun win. Yeah. But that was, like, like that was uh, a 
a fantastic moment for him to to get U.S. fans to to learn him. You know, uh, he showed like he he had the the, the Little Rock fight now in the UFC for the American audience, like um, against an American legend, to see how good he was. Like people that didn't get his his best in Pride was getting like a little taste of, of what what he can do, his heart and uh, uh, I mean what what Shogun is all about. Yeah. Uh I'll be honest, in my head, this is really when uh Shogun's career ends for, for me. I know that he has like twelve more fights or actually it's probably like fifteen or sixteen more after this. But in my head this is the cutoff of like, all right, that's that's where Shogun was show. And even some of those fights are awesome. The rematch with Nog is great. He rematches Dan Henderson. Fun as hell fight. Like has some some key moments, but like the first Hendo fight, that's where that's where everything was was crisp as far as I'm I'm concerned. Shaheen sh- share. Yeah, I almost did I almost pulled a jet on this and threw both of them as like a package deal because it was one of those moments where like, you know, you get an all time fight and then you run it back and it's almost like, should we really be running this back? Like that's not going to live up. And then it absolutely somehow lives up and it's just like, how, I don't understand how we just did this again. Um, it feels weird in a way to throw a loss into the Mount Rushmore, but I think you guys have both said it. This shouldn't have been a loss, right? Just like the first Leoto fight, it shouldn't have been a loss like this absolutely shouldn't have been a loss if it happens today i think it probably ends up as a draw because judges are more uh uh, likely to be scoring 10 eights and things like that for sure so just waiting fights like that where hey like this kind of just feels like a draw we're gonna figure out a way to make it a draw that's certainly a thing more nowadays than it was then but i mean it's just it's just pure it's it's until geary versus glover it was probably the greatest light heavyweight fight ever of all time Title fight, you can go John Jones, Alexander Gustafson, but like just in terms of pure fight, this was probably the greatest light heavyweight fight in UFC history, right? Until Yuri versus Glover, like it, it's it's right well, up there. It, it's 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 two human and, beings pushing themselves past like any sort of human limit, right? Like they become superhuman at various points in that fight. That the, the thing when it's definitely in in the UFC, but if it wasn't probably shogun nog at pride yeah. is like the other like like historical like everyone fight that that stacks up here like this man delivered for us is, is what i'm getting at he really did he really did in in this fight again it's just a testament to to human will frankly like you are watching two men dig to the depths of their souls to like bear this out in these championship rounds and it's just unreal it's unreal. Like there have been a lot of people that have eaten a lot of H bombs in their life, and how many have recovered? Like, Shogun, dude, he was dude, unconscious. Right? I'm convinced he was unconscious for half of that was it second or third round, whichever one where he's like just dead and can't Hendo can't quite put in the nails. Like, just unbelievable. Doesn't make sense. In heart. Doesn't make sense. By the way, the damn you were good of Dan Henderson is going to be really fun. Because there's be a lot of that, there's a lot of chapters to that man's career. He was not fun for a long time, and then all of a sudden he got very fun. Uh, <laughs> he's ideal he, for damn because we can skip over the like 30 some odd just bore fest that he delivered and just do here's where he was awesome. Decision Dan, he was decision yeah, Dan for decision a while, decision Dan for so long. 
Uh, but yeah, I mean, you cannot say enough plaudits about Shogun Henderson 1, Shogun Henderson 2, but I, I, I put Shogun Henderson 1 in my Mount Rushmore, and there's a reason that fight's in the UFC Hall of Fame. It's it's a banger still, even today. You're right. I did the same thing where I hadn't watched this fight in a good, like, four or five Holds years. Up. Watched it tonight today, and it was just... I was still at the edge great. of my seat again, even though I already knew what was going on. That's how you know it's a good fight. When you like, you know it's coming, it doesn't matter, you're still just glued to it. So, Shaheen, I think that that means, if I'm keeping track of this, which I'm not, but off the top, think that means we've done your Mount Rushmore, because you had Quentin Jackson, uh, you had Lyoto Machida, you had Dan Henderson, you had Ricardo Arona, so that's yours, but I believe we are still missing one from Yugi, because you had Machida, Henderson, Arona, what is your what is your yeah, fourth It's the other big one? It's Lironak. It's the which one? It's the the little nog one. Oh, the little nog. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We already got our my Boom. my four fights as well. Perfect. So I I kind of had a feeling that we'd have mostly overlap. I do want to shout out a couple of other ones that like as I was going through, uh, the first one Mecca Valley, uh, Mecca World Valley two to eight Angelo De Oliveira. Uh, if you you can see every Shogun fight, they're all online, so that's great. Uh, he literally kicks a man out of the ring, and it's it's just as violent and kind of funny as you would imagine. Uh, where he this man is in the corner, and he just rips soccer kicks into him, and the dude just flies under the bottom rope and out of the ring. It's the best. Uh, the Hiromitsu Kanahara fight, Pride 29. This, I really wanted to work this in, not because it's like a signature moment, but it has the signature thing in my head. Gene, you said earlier, like the the signature photo, you know, of that leaping shot from thing. When I think of Shogun, I think of him doing the flying stomp. Like that is the picture in my head. And he does it in a lot of fights, but he like almost exclusively spams them against Kanahara and just keeps jumping at this man and stomping him over and over until he goes unconscious. And so it's just. If you go rewatch this man's career, you will be so sad that we don't have stomps and soccer kicks. Or at least I was. Maybe you feel bad about the people that he violently hits with them. And I'm like, this is awesome. I missed it. I don't feel bad. Yeah, they, I don't know. They, I, they I, sign up for that. I don't know. I go back <laughs> and I watch game. that. I go back and I watch that, and I'm kind of relieved we don't have it. Can you imagine someone like a Sergei Pavlovich or a Francis Ngannou trying to throw moves like that? Like It's a different breed of fighter these days, and I'm kind of okay with the fact that this is not allowed anymore because there would be actual problems with it. Imagine See, think Ryan Hall extent, fighting with soccer kicks and stomps. It'd be the best. He wouldn't have a career. <laughs> It'd be done. <laughs> That's the part, like, we're, we're, I don't want to, we'll save this because I've got a whole thing later for stomps and soccer kicks, but uh, the last one I want to throw out is, because I just think it's underappreciated, it's the Kevin Randleman fight at Pride 32. That is maybe the nastiest knee bar in the history of the sport. Like he, he's fish, he lands zero strikes in the bout just immediately in a leg entanglement. And when he gets to the knee bar, the commentary is incredible because it's, I, it's, I think it's Quadros who's like, he's just trying to flex out of this. And he is cause he's Kevin Randleman. And so he can flex out of freaking anything. And then he gets the knee bar. He gets it all the way behind the arm, full extension, it just just flamingo legs the man. One of the nastiest knee bars you're ever going to see. And yeah, Shogun was was a monster. Uh, do you guys have anything else you want to talk about uh, in the Mount Rushmore before we move on? My main issue with, with, with that random win is that 
it, it, it built this narrative that Shogun has an incredible jiu-jitsu and fantastic ground game. Like we never got, we, we never saw any of that. Like he, he literally has like that win, and that's yeah. it. Like when he, when he was fighting John Jones, like that, there was a point that he, he was just pulling guard. Like it was just frustrating to watch. And I think that whole people John Jones like. People like it's build tough, that that tough, that tough. narrative because of that win against Randoma. Yeah, he he really doesn't have uh, you know. I mean, his career he has the one submission win. Yeah. is the Kevin. He's Randleman. one of those those black belts in jujitsu with quotes. Like, yeah, he's a black belt in jujitsu, but is he though? Like, he, he was submitted by Chael Sonnen with all due Look, respect. That can happen to anybody. Look, yeah. He did have a great ground game. It's just that wasn't he. He went for a lot of leg entanglements that like really weren't unnecessary. Didn't make part. any sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he did it against like, Mark Coleman and couldn't get. What him. are you doing there? Yeah. It's like I'm not. You probably don't need to do this. It probably would yeah. behoove you not to just attack the legs. But uh, the one time it worked, it's the nastiest knee bar yes. that I could recall seeing. So uh, I wanted to shout it out. Uh, any other fights that you want to mention in the Rushmore before we move on to the rest of the show? I wouldn't say anything that I want to mention for the Rushmore, but I would say that you don't like you. It's easy to forget that this that Shogun also had just like a lot of sneaky, great knockouts, sort of late in his career too, right? Oh, like yeah. a lot of the a lot of these latter wins that you're not thinking of, like a James Tahuna or whatever you want to throw out there. Like the James Tahuna knockout <laughs> is obscene. With how sure. That was that was so violent. Yeah, and it's that just was scary. A, Scattered amongst this and, and, end and, of and, career and, record, and, there's there's little and like lucky that he missed that that last punch. Mm -hmm. It didn't yes. land. Yes, it's that land, man. Just oh my god, it's <laughs> just like that. He didn't land that one. <laughs> we we talk about you know all violence teams. Jordan Breen always used to do the all violence teams. Like Shogun's probably all violence first teamer, like for career wise, if not second yeah. team, but like, he's definitely in the conversation for first team. And the fact that he still has these little snippets, even late in his career of just these extraordinary bursts of just hyper violence is just again, legend, absolute legend. And look, we're, we're going to get one on Saturday, baby. Ihor Potiera, you're going to die. You're going to die, baby. Let's go. <laughs> In case you guys are wondering if I'm bringing journalistic objectivity to UFC 283, I am not. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Uh. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, next category. We're through the big one. Mount Rushmore is always the biggest one. Takes the longest time. On to our next one. The I'm not impressed by your performance award. This is, you know, we talked the highs. Let's talk the low. I have three three notes. I have three mentions here. Uh, I'm pretty confident they will be included in all of yours. So let's start with y'all this time instead. Guy, give me mm. your career low for Shogun Hua. Man, that's tough. Uh, unfortunately, his UFC career had like a lot of lows. Uh, sure did. Yeah. I mean, like the the one I just mentioned, the Chiu Sonia loss, it was like the, not 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 that losing to Chiu Sonia is is that bad, but the way he lost, like get tapping the the first round was. I remember like watching that live. It was it was sad to watch. And like the it was, it was a giant the, show too. It was like the debut yeah. of the the Fox situation. Like that yeah. was a massive temple yeah. show for them. And, and yeah, then, it was well around that's for it. Shogun. Like the Ovinson Pro fight in Uberlândia, uh of all places. Uh, oh, yeah. Like someone throwing the skateboard in the in the cage. And like, I'm I want to know I, I that I'm. I'm so happy that you said that when we brought this up earlier because in my notes I have that goddamn skateboard for this fight in this thing. And I was like, yeah. I didn't know if that was me being too online. It was like, no, uh, no, no, no. I that, think that they will me, know what I'm saying offhand. I was, I was cage side yes. for, for, for that fight. I was cage side. And I got to tell you, I had no idea what happened when, when he went down the, with, with the, the first punch. Because with the angle of the 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 cage is just uh, shitty to watch. Sometimes. Yeah, tough to see. And 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 where 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 they were in the cage, like Shogun let just uh, rush forwards and then boom, he just collapsed. I was like, what the fuck just happened? And then the fight was over, and I, what the fuck? We had to wait a long time to get to the <laughs> to the replay in the big screen. So then we saw the the punch that landed. It was so weird, like. Well, I, I mean, like watching real time. Maybe someone did throw a skateboard in the cage, and we all missed it. I, I think it happened because you said you yeah. couldn't see a cage side, dude. I watching yeah. it live. I was if, like, if, what? If, he just if, fell if that's over. Online, it, yeah, if if we 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 have video proof that someone threw uh, a skateboard there, so it we happened. do. It's online. There, there's I saw it online, out there. so it's true. Yeah, <laughs> it's online, so it's true. <laughs> 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 so that that is on my list it's not what i ultimately went with but it, it is on my list shaheen what about you so i too if you look at my notes for this uh i just have osp skateboard i have that written down in my notes <laughs> is that, i have to submit this to the panel is that the greatest like fan edit of anything in mma yeah. history because that yeah. is so thoroughly convincing that i have met people yes who are newer fans who think yeah. that's actually what happened. And I've been asked yeah. at least twice. It's, 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 perfect. it's perfect. It's perfect. It's everything yeah. about it's perfect. And I've, I've, this is not an exaggeration. I've been asked twice in my life. Why did they let that go? Like, like why did they let that happen? Like, why, why wasn't there something that was done about that? And it's just like, are you serious? You actually believe that that's how this fight went. It's sublime editing. It, it's, it's again, I yeah. submit that that's the best edit of anything in MMA history. It Can you think anything is. better? It, what what really amazes me is someone watched that fight. I think, man, 
what if it just added a skateboard being thrown in the cage? Like, who had this yeah. idea? The creativity <laughs> there at play. Because yes. I never would have come up with that. And it fits so perfectly, too. It is... If it wasn't so ridiculous, it would be believable. And apparently, yeah. it is believable. It is. It is believable for, for, for some people, yeah. Yeah. yeah um, so. But yeah, I had that written down as one of my low lights. Also, the other two, I think, would be pretty common uh, amongst you guys as well. The John Jones beatdown, I mean, we've we've touched on it a tiny bit. Gee, you said it first five seconds. It was very clear where that was going. I think that's probably one of the like most what eye-opening changing of the guards that i can ever remember in combat sports where again the moment you see it it's like to begin it's just like oh god like we're gonna have problems on our hands for years to come with this john jones fella uh and then the last one for me is the ufc debut right against forrest griffin where i'm sure we're gonna go into this more later on but comes in as just this incredibly hyped 25 year old peak of his powers and just looks pretty terrible against Forrest. Like, it wasn't some spectacular Forrest Griffin performance. It was just a really, really bad Shogun performance. And if you were, like me, one of those people who were hyping Shogun to your friends, of like, oh, dude, you're going to see this guy's a murderer. He's coming from Japan. He's going to take this title so fast. And then he puts on that performance, and I'm just sitting in there at the bar, at the sports bar looking like a dumby. Uh Yeah. That, that for me is one of the probably the top low light. So the forest one is is uh, the other one. I will you know freely admit as Shaheen earlier mentioned you know an oversight. I didn't have the John Jones one. I think that was just I don't like to think about that fight. It just hurts my feelings how not competitive <laughs> that that fight was. Uh, but the forest one because the other thing that's really important to remember about the forest one is. You know, maybe for the broader MMA fan base, they knew who Forrest was because he was the guy who got it popular or, or whatever. But the internet, uh, the the online fanboys were did not think very highly of Forrest Griffin. Even coming off the Tito Ortiz performance, this was still at the peak of disrespecting the tough guys and uh, tough as in the ultimate fighter guys. And just nobody was like, this was looked very, I remember very clearly as, this is fight promotion. They are feeding Shogun this marketable, this guy that people know. So it will make the maximum impact when he fights for the belt after he beats this dude. And then for that to unfold, I, that makes sense as being the low light. But frankly, I couldn't pick it because the next fight, his very next fight is the one that sticks that sticks out with me more than the Griffin fight. Because you go back and rewatch the Griffin fight, it's not a great performance. That fight is at least fun. Like, legitimately, that fight was way more fun than I remember when I rewatched it. Mark Coleman, UFC 93. Shogun's coming off the double knee, the two surgeries on the same knee. But this was, this was course correction. All right, he lost to Forrest, but... Here's Mark Coleman, his first fight in over two years, almost three years. He was 44 years old and looked old. Like he looked like a really fit 44 year old, but he looked old. And Shogun's 25 and supposed to be the hot shit dude. And he damn near loses to Mark Coleman. Like, if Mark Coleman was 42 instead of 44, Shogun probably <laughs> loses that fight. And you go back and rewatch it, and it is. That to me is way more the same thing Shane was saying about you tell your friends this guy's a murderer 
and the forest fight happens. Okay, that was bad, but maybe Forrest is better. There's no explaining Mark Coleman. Like, this guy's supposed to be the be- the hot shit, and this 44-year-old dude who hasn't been good in forever. Like, not even – it's not like Mark Coleman was Randy Couture. He, he had been losing. He wasn't the Mark Coleman. That fight, even outside of the OSP and everything that's to come, and cross our fingers – not the Ihor Potiera fight that's about to come up. Mark <laughs> Coleman will forever be the one that's like, I can't believe this fight went down the way it did. And whew, that is a tough one. So that's it for this category. Our next one, my favorite, one of my favorites, certainly. The Ivan Minjavar Award for the weirdest, most surprising opponent, uh, famously named after Ivan Minjavar, who was the first fight for UFC Hall of Famer. Uh, greatest fighter of all time, George St. Pierre. So this is usually a really fun category. Shaheen has excelled in this category in the past. I hope he's done it this time because I have almost nothing. I have one answer that I've written down for this one. Uh, and I'm just going to throw it out because this isn't particularly a weird one, but I wanted to talk about this fight for a minute because it's really fun to go rewatch. Uh, and it's Evangelista, uh, Evangelista Santos. You know, it's cyborg because, I have a question for you, uh, Guy, because I don't actually know the answer as I was looking into it. This fight's dope. If you know anything about uh, Cyborg, you know that that dude is uh, will one day have his own dam. We mentioned him previously on the Melvin Manhoof episode. Uh, and this fight, at the beginning of it, is just like that. Two dudes just go in ham, 21 or 22-year-old Shogun, uh, and then it goes to the ground, and the fight's much less interesting because Shogun's a much superior grappler. But... The opening's awesome, and my question for you, Guy, is were they both shoot-to-box fighters at the time? Because it feels like they were, but I'm not 100% that this is true. That doesn't feel like that's they would have fought, but isn't it wasn't Evangelista Santos a shoot-to-box dude? No, I, I, I think, I mean, I think he, he, he became a shoot-to-box fighter uh, after that. But he wasn't okay. a box fighter make, at the time because he, he 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 like Shogun is from Curitiba, he's from like mm-hmm. the city of the shootbox. Yeah, and Cyborg is from like the the, the center area of Brazil, like Mato Grosso. So it's yeah. uh, re- really far from from Curitiba. I think that's, gotcha. that fight was the one that like shootbox saw him and decided maybe like get him on the board on 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 boards like okay that makes sense because in my head i think of him as a shoot to box guy and obviously shogun is you know one of the shoot to box guys i was like did they just fight each other because it wouldn't entirely (laughs) surprise me but it felt weird but this is the only weird opponent i could come up with so do either Mm -hmm. of you have a good one for the ivan minjabar award Man, I wish I did, because you're right. I feel like I've excelled at this category uh, in past episodes. I got nothing for this one. I it's was really trying tough my best. He just fought killers his whole career. Like, yeah. from almost immediately, he was just, here's the best dudes in the world. You're fighting them. Absolutely. I mean, he, he, his opponents have Wikipedia pages, for whatever that metric means, from fight three onward. Like, that's it. Like, he got two people that guys didn't really know about, and then the rest were just, like, well-known products. Like, he fought Babalu, uh, like, Babalu, like, in his, what, fifth fight as a pro? Like, he was already in pride by his sixth fight. Like, I tried my hardest. I was doing deep dives on all these weirdos on his record, and it was just nothing. 
I came up with nothing, nothing interesting. It, he he's just murderer's row from the outset. That's really tough, uh, Guy. Do do you have anything that can pull us out of this, or do we just come with air here? Yeah, it's uh, it's a tough one. I mean, there's a random one because uh, Eric Vandele. It's uh, like he's a biggish uh, jiu coach. Uh, it just it's so random to see that like he fought Shogun so early in his career. At, but, at the time, okay. he was the the world champion. He he had won the super heavy black belt uh, world championship. So like, doesn't shock me at all that he's a biggish coach. But yeah, that's yeah. there's just, there's not a lot of not a lot of meat on this bone. So we won't spend we won't make you know we won't squeeze blood from the stone here. We'll move on to the next one which is the Fedor Sweater of Absolute Victory Award. It's for if you could have one piece of memorabilia from the fighter's career, what would it be? Guy, if you could have one thing. Well, well, the last time we were here, you had maybe the best answer this show's ever had <laughs> uh, to this particular category, this like really heartwarming story. Uh, do you have something like that to offer with Shogun? I don't. I yeah, it'd, it'd be uh, tough to, to follow that one up for being real. Yeah, I mean, I would just ask for the skateboard. Yes, if I... that's the right answer. Yes, <laughs> that is absolutely the right answer because that is what I have as my answer. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's the one. Like, that's what I want. That's it. I would. I or would maybe, put that... or maybe find the man that or woman that, that <laughs> find the man that did it. Did that video. Their head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shaheen, please tell me you also had the skateboard because it would make me really happy if we go three for three on this particular category. I, I didn't. I didn't have the skateboard. Oh. I'm, I'm upset with myself that I didn't. But I, I still, I, I stand by my answer. Frankly, though. Because I've always, this would be my stock answer for a lot of different guys uh, that we could potentially do on this show. I just want the giant Pride Grand Prix trophy. Like the that's monstrous, good, very good answer. six foot tall trophies that they would hand out for these events. I want that. I want to just put that in my office and then people are going to see that and be like, what's that? And it's like, oh, you don't need to worry about what that is. You don't even worry. Like, just so gargantuan and oversized and, and, and gaudy like it's ridiculous i love it i, I wish that would, the, the pomp and the circumstance of all those days was so good and i wish that was still around man you go back and rewatch them too and just like some of it's a little weird and drawn out but then it's just like it's all worth it because look at look at the scene look at what's happening here also special shouts to the checks they gave uh because the like very colorful, however many yen checks they were that Shogun's like carrying over his head after he wins the GP. It's great. I would take any of that, but Gee's correct. It's the skateboard. The skateboard is the the old one true answer for the Fedor sort of absolute victory. Next category: the International Player Haters Ball Award. This is where we nitpick the fighter's career. We talk about the bad sides. You know, try and go up and down the goods and the bads. I feel like we've talked some about this here, uh, but for me, I only really have the part that I would, wouldn't change this at all about him. This man was not a defensive genius. Uh, in fact, he mostly didn't have any of it. He was a great, had great grappling defense, which led to awesome exchanges. But like, that's why he was fun because he didn't, he didn't block shit. <laughs> he just, they just threw at each other. It was dope. Uh, and then 
oftentimes that led to poor cardio, but who cares? That's why it was fun. So do you guys have anything to nitpick here? Because that's all I had, really. Everything else about him is perfect. I have one. I have one. Um, it's funny that, like, like Pride is a pretty well-known steroid promotion, right? Like, that whole era, you had a bunch of incredibly juiced-up superhumans looking ridiculous Ooh. with traps out, 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 like, out of the building. Who put... And, Somebody put it on Twitter yesterday. One of the who I'm trying to remember what fight, what Pride fighter it was, showed and like dug up one of their old Pride contracts and like here's a thing and there's a clause where it more or less explicitly states you should take drugs. Yeah, it was encouraged. It was actively encouraged. Yeah. Again, like traps and lats just out of the building for most of these guys. And yet Shogun, like I don't know that he ever really got in good shape. Like, that's easy for me to say, right? Like, I'm some dude on his couch sitting here just talking about this. But, like, for the what majority of that man's career, he did not feel like he was in very good shape. And so if we're going to nitpick anything... Man like never that, had a six-pack. <laughs> never. Yeah. In particular, once he moved to the UFC, he very much didn't get in shape. Like, whatever he was in pride, yeah. he lost that little bit of uh of of toneness once he went to north america so if you're gonna nitpick anything i think it would probably be that but also it kind of it's what you said jed where it, it's kind of why he's so fun too right like he's just this dude who's looking like a podcaster getting up off the couch to come to come fight this and, and all of a sudden he's just a demon in there and and just throwing bungalows with it with the best of them like you gotta love it you absolutely gotta love it i don't know how 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 he was managed to pull it off but it's unbelievable I agree. Guy, do you have anything uh, in this in this category? Yeah, it's it's something along along, along those lines of what Shaheen said. It's uh, my main issue with Shogun is that he could have been way better than he already was if he just trained more. <laughs> Again, it's hard for me to say, but uh, Shogun is is known, especially here in Brazil, for not. I mean. I'm not in his gym. I'm, I'm I'm not watching him work out, but I've been around for uh, I feel uh, a long time, and I've talked to people. And uh, if Shogun had like was a, someone that worked harder, at, like not just in camps, but in between camps as well, he would have been like fantastic. He wouldn't have this. Uh, as much as uh, like a lot of ups and downs in the UFC, he wouldn't like be similar to to what he did in in, in Pride. He switched teams a lot in as a UFC fighter. He, like he was training uh, with his own team in Curitiba, and then he was training in São Paulo with Eduardo Alonso, and then he was training in California with Rafael Cordeiro, but not really training in California with Rafael Cordeiro. I mean, just going there like a month before a fight. And then he was like training again in Curitiba. Now with Andrea Gida, he was switching teams a lot uh, during his UFC run. And I mean, I, th I think that was a biggest issue for him uh, in the UFC. He, he like he was training with Rafael Cordero for the Forest Griffin rematch. He was training with Andrea Gida for the Lyoto Machida fights, and he did great. But then he lost, and then he switched teams. He switched coaches, so. Not not having that that home that consistency, I think that hurt him a lot in the UFC. 
I can buy that. Uh, I also, while while you guys were talking, I looked it up. It's Ensign Anyway, MMA legend. One day he'll get a damn. Uh, and the specific quote is performance enhancing stimulants are specifically excluded from the scope of tests in the, the language of the pride contract talking about drug testing. It is testing for marijuana, cocaine, heroin, and barbiturates, specifically not testing for performance enhancing drugs. God, I miss Pride. What an organization. <laughs> what a time. I mean, we have what one championship. Time, <laughs> That's true. We do. <laughs> I gotta, I'm going to have to pull that out. We can't leave this in a live pod on the network. Such things. Uh, uh, okay, next category, uh, because it's going to bleed into this exact conversation. The Alternate Universe Award. It's the biggest what if. And my biggest what if uh, is what if Pride hadn't died. Um, which is obviously a big what if for a number of reasons, but you know, let's say that Shogun got to spend his career uh, existing under the world of Pride's lax performance-enhancing drug testing. That feels like that would have been good, but more importantly, it's the thing we've talked about a lot today. Uh, I've talked around it some. This man taking soccer kicks and stomps away from him. I remember at the time uh, when he was coming over, there was a quote. Somebody said this, and it always stuck with me for one reason or another. It was it was like a tiger getting declawed coming to the UFC, and I didn't I didn't think that that was true until you watched him fight. And it's like, oh, this man without stomps and soccer kicks, what his career we we lost so much of it, so much of the creativity that you were talking about earlier, Shaheen, like his ability to transit the the Arona knockout is like perfect, right? Because he's going for a stomp on Arona, he misses it, and he ends up with Arona's head just kind of between his legs, and then he just hammers, fists him down. That's a position that never can occur without a stomp or a soccer. You're never going to find it, and it's that sort of creative offense just got stripped from him. And so if Pride hadn't died, if he could have still had it, I wonder what he would have looked like as a fighter. Like if If we still would have had peak, peak Shogun for longer, then we end up getting it. He's 25, man. He's 25 years old. Like he had so much runway still to just be spectacular over there, right? Because everything about Pride really helped him out, right? Like everything about Pride was sort of how he built his fighting style around, how all the shootbox guys built their fighting style around. The ring, the rule set, you know, the lax drug use, like all of it. Like it's all kind of wrapped in the same package and whatever that... A a promoter who may or may not have actively tried to help them win fights all the time. 100%. And so everything (laughs) about that whole setup really contributed to, you know, what the overall package was for that early run for Shogun. And, And you're right. I think if we had had another five years, if he's in pride until he's 32 or something like that, like we would have had an outrageous amount of moments, I would imagine, because the difference between early Shogun, Pride Shogun, and the Shogun that we have now is like, it's not even the same fighter, right? Like, obviously someone ages, someone ages out, they change as they age, but like, he became such more of a meat and potatoes boxer, you know, occasional kickboxer in the UFC compared to what he was early on, where again, we're reiterating, I'm reiterating myself, but just like this hyper-creative dude who was just going to throw monster shots at you from anywhere, tornado kicks, spinning kicks, spinning strikes, stalker kicks, stomps. Like he was just a maniac. And that really got toned down once he was in the UFC, just by purely the rule set and the venue and everything like that. 
Yeah, just took it out. Guy, do you have uh, do you have anything in this regard? Yeah, I have two big what ifs uh, when it comes to Shogun. First one, I think the main, the the most important one, more than just Brighton sticking around, is what if he had good knees? Uh, I mean, that's that's what this his his biggest issue, his biggest issue during his entire career is having multiple knee injuries, going surgery, having surgery all the time, like that really screwed him. Like the Forrest Griffin fight, his knees was just destroyed. Uh, so. If he had like uh, good knees, like a normal human being, <laughs> maybe he would never lose to Forrest Griffin. Maybe he would have won the UFC title uh, sooner. Uh, but the and and the other what if is what if uh, Rashad Evans also had good knees and ever pulled out <laughs> of the fight and he fought Rashad Evans and not John Jones. Oh man, that's see, that's a big sliding doors moment because if the John Jones as- ascension gets delayed. Because of Rashad Evans, that's things get a lot more interesting. Because do they? Do they? Though, well, I, John we, was we coming. End in the same, we end in the same place, but that could have absolutely been a situation where Shogun gets like a, another year and a half instead of like four months as champion or whatever. Yeah, John was coming. Like that, that beat down was coming sooner or later. I mean, oh yeah, he. Yeah. It, there was never a world where John wasn't going to kick his ass when they fought. It's just you could have really pushed out. When but at they least fought. Shogun would be, would just win the belt and defend it once before losing to John John. Yeah, exactly. Instead of being a like three month champion or whatever, very short time frame, he ended up being a champ. So, uh, that, so I yeah, have, that that's that's a good one. I had one more I want to throw in before we move on. Okay. Um, which is kind of like, it was kind of the hardcore's argument back in the day, right? This is what people would be arguing about on forums, uh, whether it was a UG or Sherdog or whatever back in the day, which was that I pride. forum arguments. I know, right? Can you imagine? Can you Just imagine there was a time? Forum arguments where we were doing that. I, there, I spent so many years like heavily into forums. Like it was. I spent yeah. so many years well, there, writing. So there many were only like a hundred fans that felt like in the world too. So it was the same like seven dudes that you would be arguing these <laughs> topics over. It's the best. Oh man, so I, I'm glad that no one can unearth a lot of those. A lot of those websites have shut down because I'm sure there's some very stupid things that were written on there. Um, but for me, my what if for Shogun always goes back to aside from everything else we've mentioned, 2005, the tournament, and what would have happened had Ricardo Arona not beaten Vanderlei Silva in that semifinal. Oh, right. Because see, that was, you're, you're stepping on the next category. We're going to tra- We're going to use this what, to transition right into it, which is the Khabib Tony award. It, yeah. It's the that, Khabib Tony award for fight that never happened. That works. That's my that number one. one. That was my number one too, because I have, the, I have a couple, but that's my number one for sure. The the dynamic between those guys back then was so fascinating, right? Because it was very much a mentor-protege type of a dynamic, but it was very clear very early that like Shogun might be better than Vanderlei. Like Vanderlei's the man. V- Vanderlei is the man in Pride, but like Shogun might be the better version of him. Like he might be the more vicious, more refined version of Vanderlei, the 2.0. And we almost got it. Like we went into that event. That was that whole semifinal slash final happened in one night, and we went into that night being like oh dude we, there's a very very large chance here that we're about to see shogun versus vanderlei in this final and it's going to be obscene and stupid and bananas and i can't wait for it and then of course the mma gods get involved and that's not what we get 
Aspects. But it would have just been such a seminal moment for the sport and for shootbox and for everything for Brazilian MMA. I would imagine too, Guillerme, you could you could correct me on that if I'm wrong. But just like that was the moment the fight. There was no other circumstance those dudes were going to fight. There was no other way they were going to fight unless it was that exact setup. And we almost had it. We we had it for a split second that night. It felt like we had it. But they 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 wasn't going they they weren't going to fight for real. Yeah, they, that that was I mean, all. That I, was I, my other part. I on know. This I've I've talked to a lot of people, and uh, they they had a deal. Like, if both won and went to the to the to the final, they would just like quote unquote fight, and Vanderly would win. Oh yeah. Well, that's a that has a long history Maybe. of success yeah. and pride as well. The Maybe the. Uh... <laughs> I do wonder though if you get in that moment. Pride are not. I mean, we're not new. I do wonder though you get in that yeah. moment and you're starting to go and there's a prize fund there and it's I mean, a grand I'm not prize. Saying that like pride would have fixed it. No, no, but you know, I mean, pride would believe like, that the competitiveness would be real. Like it was just like fight, you know. Yeah, I. So that it's on I mean, my list. In a, in a in a in a vacuum, like they're not teammates. That fight would have been crazy. Yeah. So that that's yeah. my real point because that's where I have this. I it's my number one because in a vacuum and great. And I have these notes here of like that could have been the final GP. There were there were talks at the time, I remember, of it being like that could be that could be the semifinals because they didn't have like the set brackets. It was here are the four semifinalists. How do they want to just like how are they going to make this up? They could have just made instead of having a potential for a double shoot the box final, we can just have those two guys fight it out in the semis, which probably would have been worse because like he said, I don't think certainly in the semis, I don't think there was any chance you get a fight. They would have pulled the old one of these guys gets to go through unharmed. So they have a better chance of winning the whole thing. But yeah, in a vacuum, that's, that's my number one fight without question. I have, I also threw down their shot. Evan one, just because that fight was twice booked once for the title, once a little bit later fell through, didn't happen either time and then never happened. Um, and, but Frank, I'll be honest. Is that a fight that you guys care about? Because as I was doing this, like, I don't, that didn't, no. that doesn't mean anything. No. I, I don't feel saddened to have lost that matchup. I feel nothing about that matchup, frankly. Mm-hmm. Other than the fact that, that, like you said, it would have delayed the, the John Jones beat down. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's about I, it. Feel, I feel sad that we didn't get like a Shogun against Prime Chuck. Like, it's prime okay. Like the, the 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 Vendelay fight was epic. The Vendelay and, and and Chuck. Yes, that fight I, was epic. Like that that fight was, but Shogun instead of Silver. Yeah, I I'm with. I can see you on that one. To me, I I frankly didn't even didn't even cross my mind just because Chuck Vendelay was the whole. It was everything at the time. So that's it. Yeah. Here's my other one. Uh, I have two more. One is uh, the Quinn Jackson rematch. So if he if he beats Forrest Griffin, he's just fighting Quinn Jackson, who's the UFC light heavyweight champion at the time. I I I I want to say that the fight goes the same because it was such a comprehensive beatdown the first time. But given how bad he looked against Forrest, if he had managed to win that fight, like I. It's just a fascinating one to think how that fight would have gone in a in a rematch because he rematched like everybody else seemingly, just never never ended up doing it with Quentin. Uh, but here's the one I'm I'm the most excited to tell you guys about because this could have never happened. I'm not talking about in a real world. I'm talking fantasy matchmaking. You give me a, a a genie and three wishes, I can make a fight. 
Give me 2005 Shogun Hua versus 2020 Yuri Prohashka, and I will give you $1,000 to watch that fist fight. I cannot imagine something I would be more interested in. Because Yuri, in a lot of ways, feels just like Shogun. Like, that was what uh, struck me a lot watching this. Like, dude, this dude fights like Yuri does. <laughs> this is Yuri's the man. I wish we could watch them fight. So, Shaheen, I feel like that should have tickled some particular spot in your soul to think about that fight. I'm so in. I'm so in. My mic was muted because this baby is making lots of noise, but I made like a guttural, <laughs> oh, when you said that out loud. Like, uh, yes, you sold me. I'm in. I'm way in. Yuri is like much, 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 much bigger than Shogun. So like maybe that would be like a little. Oh, yeah, now. That's thing, just how but, things work. But but yeah, oh, God, I'm in. Dude. Which, by the way, maybe maybe this, I'm, I'm almost backtracking a little bit, but like also a what if that I think d deserves to just even be brought up. What if that dude had just gotten in a tiny bit of good shape and moved to middleweight like at any reasonably early part of his career? Like he could have probably done really well there. But again. Or Wagon gotten in shape. good shape and hit the gym, maybe added a little <laughs> bit of mass and some abs. You know, anything could happen. And fought Fedor at heavyweight. Uh I I didn't put Fedor as a as a fight here because Vandele Silva Fedor is the one that got away from me. And I don't want to just like put Shogun <laughs> in all of my Vandele fights, but for sure. I would watch the hell out you of can fight that. You can do that. Would have been awesome. Yeah, friends. They will understand. <laughs> but yeah uh in case you guys had never once considered it i wanted to put prime yuri versus prime shogun into the world because only good things can happen by people thinking about that matchup next category we're winding down not not many left and we're gonna rip through these last ones as we've already been here for quite some time the brad imes whoa you serious award this is for named after brad imes the hillbilly heartthrob former UFC heavyweight who once won back-to-back -back fights by Gogo Plata, which is incredibly funny when you think that he is a six foot seven enormous heavyweight. Uh, and so this is for most impressive or unbelievable career statistic. Uh, I didn't have a ton here. We've already mentioned kind of the one that I, that jumps out to me the most. And I don't want to step on you, Sheen, because you, you brought it to the table. Throw, why, why don't you take the lead here, Sheen? Yeah, it's honestly, it's for me, it's just, the different age markers that he accomplished all this right because there's three different ones for me one winning the gp that gp that we've talked about in 2005 at age 23 is aside from john jones becoming ufc champion so young probably the most impressed single most impressive thing that a young fighter has ever done in the history of this sport frankly i i we should talk about this right now because i actually believe that it is more impressive than john jones becoming champion it, that it's, run, it's a 1A and a it, 1B for me, but yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a crazy, crazy feat. For the for anybody who doesn't know, because we haven't actually specifically laid it out, I want to his 2005, the legendary 05, he beat uh, Hiromitsu Kanahara uh, in just a, a pride fight, like that February. Then vicious stomp. Vicious stomp. Yeah, vi unbelievable stomp. Uh, I mentioned, I talked about the stomps earlier, but... Uh, there's Quentin Jackson, the opening round of the GP, Little Nog, fight of the year, Alistair Overeem, the semifinals, and then Ricardo Arona later that night, a consummate performance. Those were four of the 20 best fighters in the world at that time. And this is a dude coming not entirely out of nowhere, but he's the second dude at his gym. Vandalay is the first guy. He's to some extent still the little brother of Ninja and just, just barnstorms the world like an, that run 
I really don't think we've seen it's like like ever in this sport. Yeah, like with John Jones, we knew that John Jones was coming. Right there was there, it was very obvious very early. Like, oh, this is this is happening. So when he did go on that crazy year that he went on, I don't know that people were surprised particularly. People were impressed, but they weren't surprised. Shogun's year was surprising because he he like you could tell like, hey, this is a guy who got some talent. But like you said, he was. I would almost say number three at that gym behind Ninja too, because it was Vanderlei and it was Ninja and then it was Shogun. And then all of a sudden Shogun just comes out of nowhere and beats so many high level talented guys in, in such outrageously violent fashion. And to do that at age 23 at like, you look at a prospect now, like who who's 23 in the UFC doing anything remotely close to that? Like, it's just, and you talk about like his year, it's not even a, a year. It says, uh, six month period. So, yeah, it's not even a year yeah, span, it's really. Crazy. It's so crazy. Yeah. The one, the I have a stat on this t- tied to this, which is uh, he won the Grand Prix 1,024 days after his pro debut. Like, that's think about that. That's stupid. Substantially le- less than three years after he made his fighting debut, he won the most prestigious tournament up to that point in the history of the sport. The <laughs> GP. Started in April of 2005 and ended in August. That's like five months. Like, what are we talking about? That's unbelievable. Damn good five months. Um, so uh, you said you had in terms of you had multiple yeah. points here. So in terms of age markers, him doing that at 23 is probably the most impressive. But then him going to the UFC at age 25. Um, again, I think if you asked me, if you asked, probably you, Jed, you, Gearman, like, I don't know, like, if you had just asked me this morning before I looked this up, like, hey, how old was Shogun when he went to the UFC? I would have guessed, like, late 20s, maybe, like, maybe 30, like, it, to me, it, it's, it does not make sense to me that he came to the UFC at 25, and was already, like, kind of past his prime at that point, but, like, just the timeline of all of this doesn't make sense, and then to even just jump off that, the last thing would be the fact that he was 28 years old, 28 years old when he won the UFC title. Because he felt so much older. Like he felt 35 when that happened. Mm-hmm. And it's just, again, he was, he's, he's one of these guys like a, a Jose Aldo, where Jose Aldo was much younger than you always thought he was. Shogun right there with him. And it's just, again, it's unbelievable. Him winning the title felt like, like a feel good thing. Like Glover Teixeira gets the title after all these years. And it's actually, well, he's 28 years old. <laughs> so it's, it's a very, very strange, strange spot, man. Guy, what do you have anything for this category? No, just I'm I, I'm just <laughs> surprised. Like, 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 like Shaheen said when 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 he was talking about this age and all that, and he was saying, "Oh, you know how old he was when he made his UFC debut," and I and I thought to myself, "31." <laughs> See, Dude, yeah, a man. thousand, yeah, a thousand percent. So, if you'd so asked crazy. me, and like, for, for for the last ten years. Uh, every time Shogun's fighting, he has to answer questions about retirement for 10 years. For 10 years. Yeah. Every time he's fighting, Since he's been we all ask 30s. him. Every time he's fighting, we, 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 we always ask him. And you think, what? You think like you have two left? You think about retirement, like winning and walking away? Like for every single fight for the last 10 years. And he's still fighting. I legitimately Man, thought it was so a mistake. Nuts when I looked it up because I was looking up just various things on tabology and you know, you can go to the individual oh, fights yeah. and it'll tell you the odds and the age of everybody and stuff. I went to the forest fight cause I was just curious and it said 25 and I actually had to like double check and triple check cause I just didn't believe it. It didn't make sense to me. Dude, I'm, 
I'm with you. If you would ask me, I'd have been like, at 29, maybe 30, but like, dude, he was, I was dead convinced that his career was over after the Chael Sonnen submission we talked about. That was a decade ago. It was a decade ago. Just, ah, uh, the time really, it really plays with you with him. Uh, all right, let's wrap this up. Sean Ferris Award for actor who should play them in a movie. This is named after Sean Ferris, the actor who played Jake Tyler in the cinematic masterpiece, probably the greatest MMA film of all time, Never Back Down. Uh, and it's what fighter should play him in a movie. I have one. Does anybody have one or more that they feel good about? Because I could only come up with one and then I quit here. I have one that I didn't feel good about. Okay. It felt he like, is it felt like the head, easy one. He does not feel confident in this one. So, no. Who who do you feel is the easy one then, Shaheen? Jason Statham. Okay. He's got I'm the similar not head go shape. That. He's got the similar head shape, similar I, I sort of look. I see what you're doing there. I went very similar in that. I went Wentworth Miller, who, if you don't know by name, he's the main guy on Prison Break. If you ever mm -hmm. saw that show, you will look this dude and you'll know him. You'll at least know who he is. So feel free to Google Wentworth Miller. Oh, okay. Miller. Okay. But yeah, yeah, I could see this. I he He was the only guy who jumped in my head. And I don't know if it's just that like, when he has his head shaved, it kind of just gave me the Shogun vibe, but that was what I was like, it's I'm not going to do the better. Hairline. Yeah, yeah, the hairline is just like, I'm not going to do better than this dude, so I'm just going to lock it down here. This is a category where AK usually really excels, so yeah, uh, I should have asked I think him. Shaheen's answer, Jason Stetson, is a, it's a, it's a good one. I think the point is that I, I, I would probably say Shogun himself, if, if you look like his old pictures, he used to be a model, was a look, good looking guy but the thing is he can't like uh, you can't understand shit he's saying you you guys don't don't don't, don't, don't <laughs> you guys don't know because you don't speak portuguese you guys don't don't can't speak portuguese shit. so you so you so you, you don't you don't know how hard it is to interview shogun because him and his and, and his brother like he's he, there they they talk so fast and uh, like it's so confusing like they just stumble in words. It's <laughs> Wait, and, and they seriously? were always like that. Like I, I've never yeah, heard yeah, anybody so, tell me this. So, so like, what, yes. what about it? What about the way they speak their dialect of no, Portuguese? Just, is it so just, hard to understand? Just, 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 just tell me a line, and I'm gonna say exactly how how Shogun would say in Portuguese. Whatever line. Hi, my name's Shogun Hua. I'm a former UFC champion. Uh, okay, tell me no Shogun Hua. I was always going it would be like that, like with that voice. That's that's his voice, and that's how fast he speaks. I mean, so you have an idea. He he was a an, an ultimate fighter coach in Brazil, and the mm -hmm. season that I think he was replaced or, or or he played Anderson Silva. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, he, yeah, it was him and Anderson Silva, and Anderson, Anderson Silva was yeah. was replaced by the Nogueiras after the yeah. the doping stuff. Uh, they had to 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 put uh, captions when Shogun was talking. Oh my subtitles. god! In, he was speaking Portuguese and he needed subtitles in that Brazil. Fantastic! Yeah. This brings up an interesting point because you said something about this earlier, and I never once thought about it. About like when I was asking you about kind of where he is and sort of his place, and, and you were like, "Oh, you know, he's he just didn't ever have that same connection." And it's like as you say it, I. 
I am not confident I could pick Shogun's voice out of a crowd. Like if if you just played audio of people speaking, I'm not sure I could be like. And I know I absolutely know what Anderson Silva sounds like. I know, but that's yeah. I I know what their personalities are like. I know what Vanderlei Silva's personality is like. I don't really have any concept of this about Shogun. It's just how the dude fights yeah. and presents himself in like, the cage. And outside of the this, cage, like, there's go, nothing. Go on YouTube and find an a, a, a interview in I'm, Portuguese. And I'm a you, thousand percent going hear, to do this now. Yes, it's uh, his voice. And it, and but I mean, you, you you don't speak Portuguese, but it's so crazy because it's so hard to understand. So now, hard. Now this opens up. <laughs> I, like I, I remember that's 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 a, a classic video online. <laughs> when he lost to John Jones, and I went to to his room after the fight, and then the the next morning trying to interview him, but he was just a mess. So when I interviewed Ninja, and Ninja is much worse. Like it's it's incredible. You like it's so hard to understand what he's saying. And I was too dumb that I did a video interview with with, with Ninja, and that's uh, uh it, it goes viral uh viral often uh in brazil i used to, used to not 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 anymore it's so funny because you can't understand a word he's saying like his brother just got beat up the, the night before by by john johnson no longer ufc champion and he's just sitting there sad having to talk about it and you don't understand a word he's saying it's so funny that's man, hilarious. See, learn no idea every day. Yeah, see, no clue. Real quick, this opens up a whole new world of questioning for me. Yerme, we're like, who else do we not know is just incredibly difficult to like understand it in Portuguese? Like, who, like, who are just a few other guys that like or women that just you interview them, you have no concept. That's it. it. That's it. Just, just Shogun and Ninja. Yeah. Huh. I don't know what that is, but. You, 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 it's it's so hard to to understand them, and they know that. It's funny because I I, I I I remember doing it and an interview once with Shogun, and we we after we we ended, he he asked, was it easy to understand what I was saying? <laughs> wow, dude! If you're at if you're asking that question, yeah. that means you know you are aware. Yeah. If yeah. you're having to ask that question, you <laughs> he worked on it uh, eventually, but. It's not. It's not great. I mean, it's better than 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 it used to, but like Ninja is is still impossible to to understand. It's impossible. Fantastic. Who knew? Well, you touched on or you overlapped here for the next category of the Cole Conrad Career Change Award. What would fighter do if they weren't fighter? And you mentioned my only answer. Uh, you mentioned that you know Shogun used to be a model. I don't think he gets enough credit, especially because. Let's be real. The man hasn't, he hasn't aged poorly, but he has not gotten more attractive as he's gotten older, certainly. And some of that might be to Shaheen's point of how he's just seemingly never been in shape and that is hurting him. But young Shogun was a deceptively handsome man. Like, I, I get why he was a model. Like, that totally tracks to me. Facts. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so, that was my answer. I, I didn't have another answer other it. than just the man yeah. would be out there doing advertisements. And he doesn't yeah. have to talk if he's uh, if he's doing advertisements. So that works. Exactly. That really works just, well for you. Just, just pose and take pictures. Just just a pretty face who doesn't speak at all. So everything works out. <laughs> Though maybe he might have had to give it, get in shape if he was doing that. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe. not. You know, there are maybe. all types of models. 
that's maybe, maybe he just Milo does guy. suits you know he's in good enough shape to rock a suit just like when he's yeah. wearing the tight shorts you could see a he little bit of fold over you know it's, it's okay i'm actually stunned that this is the first tight shorts mention that we've had on this entire podcast because yeah. that man is legendary for wearing the least amount of clothes <laughs> that you are like actually allowed to wear as a man in this sport it is pretty ridiculous that this dude has done this for like 20 years the the in i can't think of anybody else who's worn less than him no oh, and it felt like when he was younger it it was it was fine as his ufc career went on it's just like i feel like you might want to go up a short size this feels like you're <laughs> constricted in some some of these spots my man I feel like you are still hanging on to thinking you're a large when maybe you're an XL now and you're just you're just not coming to terms with In Brazil, he's a he's a mythical fighter. Shogun with white speedos. He's <laughs> a mythical fighter. Dude, Shogun, Shogun with, with white speedos never loses. If there wasn't the skateboard, white speedos would have been a great uh, you know, Fedor sweater memorabilia pick because the white yes. speedos iconic. Absolutely iconic with the man. All right, we've got two categories left. We're winding it down. Been a long ep. Uh, and this one is a bit of a problem because our penultimate category, uh, I think we're going to have a lot of uniformity here. It, it seems like a pretty obvious one, but this was formerly known as the Phil Baroni I'm the Best Ever Award for the Fighter's Career Peak. Still want to celebrate that, but obviously do not want to celebrate Phil Baroni given things that have happened uh this year so we are changing this category's name this category now uh instead of referencing what is turning out to be a terrible terrible situation we're gonna we're gonna use this to to elevate one of the best situations in recent memory that was leon edwards incredible comeback win and his his frankly a, a emotional post-fight speech and and the quote that sticks with me and will now be immortalized on damn they were good Look at me now. So this is the look at me now award for the fighters career peak, the apex when they were at the tippy top of, of their powers. And for this one, it, like I said, I think it's going to be pretty easy. I think it's a pretty straightforward answer for us here. I mentioned at the top, I left this fight off my Mount Rushmore because I put it here and it's the 05 grand prix win. It's Ricardo Arona, that performance we talked about. We don't have to go into it, but if there's, you know, in the scheme of MMA fights that have been Mortal Kombat style flawless victories, that one is right up there. Arona had absolutely nothing. And the fact that it came, as as mentioned before, over, you know, his his teammates' greatest rival in the finals, his career never got better, as far as I'm concerned. I don't even care that he won the UFC belt later. That is the peak of his career. Uh, and so that that's why I'm here with this. Uh also. Didn't get mentioned. I just want to throw it out. He starts the fight with a fucking tornado kick. Like, That's what I'm saying. No, no reason. He just comes out and spins. Is awesome. He was the biggest maniac. moment of his life. The biggest moment of his life against a guy who just beat his teammate. And he's like, spinning tornado kick, baby. Let's go. Utter maniac. That's what, what I'm saying. Like he, young Shogun was such a different demon. Uh, I was, I was actually kind of scared. And maybe Guillermo still might that somebody was going to pick the 2011 UFC title for this. That that's just incorrect. Like that's just someone acting yeah. like the UFC was the is, is the end all be all when it comes to this stuff, and it's not. It, it was absolutely 2005. It was we we've 
said it in depth, so I'm not going to go too deep onto it. But again, this person coming from kind of out of nowhere to all of a sudden king of the world. Like after that tournament, he was the absolute best. Like he was the king of the world. He could do no wrong. He was that guy. And it was, it was, it's absolutely the peak. I I, I would love to hear another argument, but to me, it's 2005. It has to be. The right pick is uh, Saturday night against. Oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it has to be, has to be, man. I love that. A good win to, to walk to the, walk off to the sunset. Like, uh, like the way he deserved, he deserved. I mean, his fighting, Pocheria in his final fight. That's that's depressing. That's that's so sad. So just destroy that man and walk off to the sunset, like and live up the a, a, a great life. You he deserves uh, that. And, but he, get a, get a big win, man. I love that so much because that's I'm gonna give that the award. That is it, that's going to be the defining Shogun moment. Going out in Rio de Janeiro, just just doing the damn thing. Which brings us to the end. Last thing, the Hoist Gracie Legacy Awards. It it is it's not really an award so much as it it wraps up our feelings about what Shogun meant to us in the sport and the pantheon of MMA. So uh I want to end with Gee, since you know, Brazilian Beast, the homecoming, he also just closed it out brilliantly last one. So I'll lead us off because we've covered a lot of what I wanted to talk about, Shogun. This is usually where any of the stuff that I had left that I wanted to speak about. Uh, that I didn't get to for one reason or another, but we've done it because he, he's just one of the more fascinating characters in this sports rich tapestry that I, I can remember covering or dealing with. And because of all the stuff we said, because of the fact that for 10 years now, he has been on the decline. Like we, we thought he was going to retire 10 years ago and here he is about to knock out Ihor Patera and ride off into the sunset. And it's the fact that he, the old, the more we've done this, the older I've gotten. It's weird to think like this guy who was a Pride fighter fought way more in the UFC than in Pride. And with Shogun, it it didn't feel that way, but it in the same way it did because it's like all of the moments that I remember of his career, most of them, most of them came in a ring, not a cage. And so he, I feel like he's been underrated and is kind of doomed to be underrated forever because of the fact that he he ascended so quickly, so young. But then the bulk of his career was spent in this place where it 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 wasn't the highs that the people who were there early knew. So for me, he's when I think of him, I just think of him as one of the greatest all violence fighters that I've ever seen, and and an underrated one where it's very sneaky just how fun and violent this dude was because so much of his career was also like filled with trepidation to watch him fight like this weekend i am filled with trepidation like i hope this ends well and i feel like i've been feeling that for a decade and yet at the end of the day he's delivered and it's been awesome so i i have nothing really more i've said everything i need to say about this man so shaheen what what do you have to say about shogun Hua before we round this out yeah i don't i don't want to reiterate myself too much but i mean to me again it was just he was one of those guys there's only a few of them um who was kind of the reason i'm doing this right like this is kind of the reason that my life took this path that it took it was because of guys like shogun it was because of guys like anderson silva back in those days 
And again, if you go back and you look at whatever video games I was playing back then or whatever media I was consuming, like I'm sure there's a lot of characters that I named Shogun or or things like that. He was he was just a legend before he was even like a, a grown adult, like before he was a grown man. He was already kind of an MMA legend, and it's it's just an incredible career. It's a very singular and unique career because I think you summed it up well there, Jed, where he was almost like so unreliable that he would stress you out in a way that few fighters would, right? Like a lot of the greats are very consistent with their greatness where you can pretty much rely, or at least for whatever stretch of time, uh, you know, throughout their twenties or whatever, you could rely on really great performances from them. Shogun was very much not like that after that initial 2005 run. Like he, he even lost, you know, he has a couple losses in pride and, and things like that. Like he was, his greatness would come and go, but when it was there, when he was motivated, when he'd showed up on that particular night, there are a few fighters in the history of this sport who were just so utterly spectacular with the way that they presented themselves and the violence that they brought forth in that cage. And that's what it comes down to, right? It's like, that's what the show is about is celebrating these all violence type of guys, these type of guys who maybe are not going to make any goat lists. Cause I don't think anybody's throwing Shogun Hua on, on their goat list, right? He's not, you know, one of the five greatest fighters of all time, but he is an absolute MMA legend and he left a mark and accomplished things that few others really could. And to me, that's, that says it all like, He's Shogun freaking Hua, man. That's it. Like he is Shogun. He he is a monster. He he is someone who has been doing this for way too long, yet seemingly just long enough. And I I really hope this this last one does not end in the way that a lot of our legends ha- have ended. It won't. Their stories. We're willing it into existence, baby. Willing it <laughs> into existence. Hey, yeah. Gee, bring us home on Mauricio Shogun Hua. Man, I, what every, every, everything we we've already said, man. He's he's a he's a legend, and it's sad that uh, he doesn't get the, the the respect he deserves from fans these days, because most of them like got in after got 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 into the sport after Shogun's prime. Uh, so they just think about well, this old dude that was a champion in the past, and now he's just. Uh, uh, winning and losing all the time with the UFC. So, I mean, I just hope that he gets the the respect and recognition that as a legend that he deserves. And uh, and I, I mean, I I, I don't have to uh, root for Fridays, but I hope he he gets a big win Saturday to to put a good end on on, on his UFC, on his MMA career. And, and, and I hope. And he, he 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 said he he won't do that, and I really hope he doesn't come back for uh, like boxing MMA somewhere. Like just just go home, man. Just relax, enjoy your family, and uh, <laughs> be happy, man. You don't have to go back to like fighting in Russia, fighting for PFL, fighting for Bellator, fighting like uh, YouTubers in box <clears throat> in boxing. Just don't do that, man. I mean. Let's let's not write off going to Bellator. We could maybe find some. Look, give me Melvin Manhoof versus Shogun, who a forty-year-old man just chucking him. Stop. <laughs> Don't give him ideas. Ever damn fight. <laughs> if he comes uh, back, just give him a winnable fight. That's it. <laughs> I 
firmly agree. Uh, and that's going to be it for us, folks. We've we have said all there. We've sung all the songs to sing about Shogun Hua. Uh, again, he's fighting one last time this Saturday at UFC 283. But before then, and even after then, uh, it's just important to remember that damn, he was good. Programming note: We are back. We are back and running uh, for the rest of the year. This is going to become a monthly podcast, except for maybe have something in store for you in a couple of weeks, another special episode. Other than that, you can look for once a month. We're going to talk about some of the biggest legends in the history of the sport and just some of our favorite all-time fighters, even if maybe they aren't the traditional definition of legend. Until then, keep it locked to the MMA Fighting Podcast Network. Listen to... I can't pronounce your podcast name because I'm not Portuguese or Brazilian. Please say what podcast people should listen to. Trocação Franca. See, it's you can easy. give me a thousand it's tries. So nice. It's so nice. And I'll never, I will butcher it in the worst ways. Make sure you try keep it. it. Just try it. Trocação Franca. Trocação Franca. Yeah. 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 Okay. Look, it's I'm okay. not here, man. Yeah. That's not. This is not what I do. <laughs> That's why I had you do it, because I knew it would be bad. I don't speak Portuguese, so that's where we'll end it. Thank you guys for tuning in. A special thanks to Shaheen Alshadi and Guillermo Cruz for joining me on this one. I love you guys. Until next time. Love you guys. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.